back to Obadiah chapter 1. Verse 17 is our scripture. Amen. Everybody have that? Obadiah chapter 1, verse 17. Let's go back to the New King James Version with me, please. New King James Version. Praise the Lord. Everybody, y'all still find out here? Pages turning. Y'all should have a pen in there right now, or a marker or something, a Crayola or something. <laughs> something right there. We know the spot. Has anybody taken time to go back and read the, the entire book? Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's that's only like three hands. Amen. It's only one chapter, ladies and gentlemen. It's just, it's just one chapter. You can do it. You can do it in one, one trip. You can do it in one visit. <laughs> Praise God. You can. You can read in one visit. Amen. Um, I encourage you really to read it. You know, sometimes we, we like to only hit our favorite scriptures. And when you only hit, hit your favorite scriptures, you miss out on so much substance as in the Bible. And so I encourage you to read out of your comfort zone. Praise God. And uh, you'll find some good stuff. Because it's all prophecy. And prophecy, as I brought out to your attention here, this, this book of Ob Obadiah, one chapter, it was fulfilled by A.D. 1. It was written around 546 uh, B.C. or so, whatever, but it was fulfilled by 81. But how many know that prophecy has progressive fulfillment? Right? When Joel wrote in chapter 2 of his, his writing, and it shall come to pass afterwards, said the Lord, I will pour my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. I remember the last days. And Peter spoke of it in Acts 3, or Acts, Acts 2, rather, and he said, hey, this is, this is that. But guess what? God's still pouring out. Right? So prophecies are constantly being fulfilled and manifested in different dimensions. You got it? So that's your um, encouragement tonight. All right, Obadiah 117, are you there? All right, let's read that together. Ready, read. But on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. There shall be deliverance. There shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Tonight I'm talking on this subject matter. We're going back to holiness again. And uh, we're talking tonight from the subject, holiness is right living. Holiness is right living. Everybody say holiness, holiness. is right living. Now, Father God, we come to you once again and ask you and believe in you, trusting you, Father, that you will have a free course in this place tonight, to, to the ability to just flow and speak. I ask you for divine utterance from the Spirit of God. I ask you for divine unctions of the Holy Ghost, that, God, you use me to minister to your people. I thank you that your people have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to perceive and receive the seed of the word that will come tonight. God, have your way and be glorified among your people, we pray, and confirm your word with signs following in our lives. In our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen. All right, holiness is right living. Now, we've been talking each week about how Satan deceives people, right? We talked about how he deceives the world. He deceives the world into thinking, one, that he doesn't exist, or that, two, he's not a danger to them. He's not really dangerous, 
So people toy around with Lucifer. They toy around with Satan. People dress their little kids up as Satan for Halloween. <laughs> Grown-ups dress like the devil. TV shows about Lucifer. But we know he is real and he is very, very dangerous. Matter of fact, the Bible calls him an adversary, the devil. He goes about like as a roaring lion. What? Okay, whom we resist steadfast in the faith, okay? Now, but then we also, also talked about how he deceives the church. The church thinks that, you know, you can sort of uh, fraternize with the world. You can sort of just, you know, imitate the world. You can kind of hobnob with the world and not, and not have that affect you. But, you know, the Bible talks about, in the book of James, about us remaining unspotted from the, I think it's James 127, somewhere around there, about us, you know, pure religion undefiled as this, to visit the orphans and the widows, right? And then to remain unspotted from the world. So God doesn't want us spotted by the world. Hallelujah. How many of y'all know if you came in in a, in a pretty white linen suit, beautiful white linen suit, and somebody came down from down the street and they, they've been out there playing in the mud and you go give them a hug, you know they don't get clean. Come on now, what happens? You get dirty. Your cleanness doesn't wear off on them. Your cleanness does not rub off on them. They don't get clean by being around you. You get dirty by being around them. And so what the, what the enemy has done is convince the church that you can kind of mess around with the world and with the world system, with the world stuff, and it doesn't affect you, but it does affect you. That's why the Bible tells us to guard our hearts. How? With all diligence. Why? Okay, so we got to make sure we're guarding our hearts. Amen? But I, I want to talk about more that the devil has also been very deceptive to the church and that he's also convinced the church that there are some things um, that, are, that uh, don't belong to us when they actually do belong to us. That there is a lifestyle that belongs to us that he says, no, you shouldn't mess with that. Like, for example, he talks about, you know, the devil has people in church saying, well, you know, tomorrow's not promised. Come on, tell me you haven't heard it. People in church, we've probably said it. Well, you know, tomorrow's not promised. Yet the Bible tells us over in the, in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, you know, in Ephesians 6, uh, I've been reading Ephesians this month, and Ephesians 6 right around verse 1 says, um, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Verse 2 goes on and says, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with, with what? Well, what's the promise? The promise goes out over in verse 3 that it may be well with you and you may what? So it says there's a promise. There's a promise that you will live long in the earth. So tomorrow is promised. Well, you never know. Wait a minute. Yes, I do know. If I've lived short, then... Tomorrow is promise, because I have a promise. He said it over in Psalm 91, right around verse 16. He says, with long life, come on now, I'm going to satisfy you and do what? Show you my salvation. So long life is a promise. Tomorrow is promise. <laughs> well, you know, tomorrow, you never know. You never know. When death come creeping in your room, you never know. You never know when, when God going to pull your number. God's not pulling any numbers, ladies and gentlemen. I might better park here because y'all not saying anything. 
God's not going to pull your number. Well, you know, it's appointed every man wants to die. You know, we all got an appointment with death. No, we don't. That's not what it means. He didn't say it's everybody has a death appointment. He said it is appointed. It is set for once, for every man to die once. He didn't say when. People go around in the church. Well, what does that come from? It doesn't come from God. It comes from the wicked one. So the devil goes around and he has people in church thinking that, that you know, well, you know, don't, don't, you don't want your hands on all that filthy lucre. You know what filthy lucre is, money. Because you know money is, is the root of all evil. That's not what your Bible says. If that's the case, God has to repent. Because God gave Abraham plenty of money. God gave Job plenty of money. And then when Job prayed for his friends, he gave him double the money he had before. God gave Isaac, and God gave Jacob, and God gave Joseph, and God gave Solomon, and God gave David, and God gave Jesus, and God gave Paul plenty of money. Jesus gave the disciples plenty of money. So if money was evil, if money was the root of all evil, then Jesus has to repent. And he's not going to repent. See, so there are so many things that the devil has used to deceive God's people. And when he deceives God's people, it keeps us out of the very life that God has for us to enjoy. Amen. There's a scripture over in Colossians chapter um, 2, Colossians 2 verse 8. Colossians 2 verse 8. Hallelujah. We'll, we'll get back on it, media. Y'all just flow with me. Colossians 2 verse 8. Notice what Paul says here. He says, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, come on, and what? According to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. So what he says, people are getting cheated. What does it mean when you're cheated? You got cut short. It means something that belonged to you, you didn't get. So he says, don't let anybody cheat you because of their philosophies and their vain deceits. Glory to God. So that's what the devil's doing. He's cheating people in the body of Christ out of what God has for them. Amen. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Are y'all with me tonight? Yes, Another scripture. Go down to Colossians 2.18. Colossians 2.18. Same chapter. Verse 18. Notice what Paul says here. He says, let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in what? False humility. False humility. Oh, you know, we don't, nobody needs all that. We don't need all of that. We just want to be humble before God. Humble, 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 humble. Holy, humble child, I shall taste the grace. I just want to be humble. I don't need all that stuff. I just want a humble little home. Welcome to my humble abode. Now, y'all are laughing. But I'm telling you what's been prevalent in the body of Christ. And it's a false humility. See, it's not humble when you have nothing and you're not prideful. Humble is there when you have everything and you still are lowly. See, that's humble. 
The Bible says Jesus humbled himself. See, because he had everything and he humbled himself. It wouldn't have been anything if he came in and didn't have nothing. He wouldn't have had to humble himself. Y'all looking at me like, he humbled himself. See? And so, and so it's not humble when you're sitting up broke as a, as a joke. <laughs> Everything you can think of is going wrong in your life. I ain't humble. Matter of fact, y'all probably might vote me out for this. But pride is probably what got you there. Pride is probably what got you there where you're broke all the time and everything's going wrong. Pride probably got you there. It's you trying to carry your own cares. It's you trying to deal with your own situation. It's you trying to handle your own, your own problems. That's pride. Not looking to God. The Bible says, humble yourself in the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. See? See? So we got to get rid of that pride. Some people, well, praise the Lord. I'll buy. To me, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. You know, it's prideful when you're in a mess and you don't ask anybody for any wisdom. You try to keep, oh, I'm trying to keep my face right, but keep my face right. No. <laughs> Praise God. Well, let me, let me get on point here. This is not going over so well tonight. Hallelujah. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you, Lord. So I don't want to let the devil cheat me out of anything. But don't let the devil cheat you out of anything. Don't let the devil cheat you out of what's yours. Hallelujah. Now, we just read Colossians 2.8 and Colossians 2.18, right? Who wrote those? Paul. Now, remember we just learned that the whole basis of Paul's writings are about the new, the new uh, creation and the new creation inheritance. So if you're being cheated, what are you being, being cheated out of? Your inheritance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right. Let's go to Obadiah 1. Let's go to Obadiah 1. Praise God. This weekend was such a powerful weekend. Full of revelation, just it just I mean opened my eyes to so many things, and I hope you had the same experience I did or something similar. Praise God. Obadiah one seventeen says, "But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall do what?" So we've been we've been talking about now. I don't time to go back, but you know this was about God pronouncing judgment upon Edom because they were mishandling God's people, the Israelites. Right, I told you why, because they had all against them way back from Jacob and Esau, okay? All right, now, in the midst of all that, God says, I'm, I'm going to bring destruction on Edom, but he says, on Mount Zion, there shall be something. So, but, so in other words, whenever there's a but, what you're going to read is being, will be in contrast to everything that you've already read. So it's going to be mess, it's going to be uh, destruction, chaos, gloom, all these things, but... 
on Mount Zion. Now, I, told, I showed you last week, if you look at Hebrews 12, you'll see that Mount Zion is the church. Mount Zion is the church, okay? So um, on Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. So I talked about deliverance already, right? And how God's going to deliver his people this year out of all kind of stuff. This is a year of restoration, right? You're going to be delivered out of lack this year. I mean, if you, if you follow God and follow his voice, you're not going to be in lack when you move into 2024. Even if you're in debt, I don't care how much debt you have. God can get you out of debt this month, let alone this year. Y'all didn't even holler. I said God can get you out of debt this month, let alone this year. Pastor Elizabeth kept recounting how my wife and me, God, brought us out of debt in, in, in less than five years. And uh, it was almost a half million dollars of debt. And she's talked about how, you know, we can't really tell you how. And she's right. We can't really explain how God did it. All we know is we, we made actions toward it. We put our actions toward it. Hallelujah. We started, we started working with God, not against God. <laughs> God spoke to my wife one night and told her, he said, Kimberly, I don't need your help. I just need your cooperation. And so rather than us trying to help God out, we just simply cooperated with God. And if you and I just cooperate with God, just do whatever, whatever he says do, you do it. Hallelujah. If he says save, you save. If he says spin, you spin. If he says sow, you sow. Whatever he says to you, you do it. Hallelujah. You can't get yourself out of debt. Hallelujah. If you could, you would have been out. So you got to listen to him, right? So people are going to be delivered out of debt and lack, out of, out of um, all kind of afflictions and addictions and strongholds. We learn a lot about strongholds this weekend, right? And God's delivering his people out of all the strongholds, out of all those um, emotional responses to bad memories. Hallelujah. Emotional responses to bad memories. Praise God. Now, I want to show you something here as we keep going. Because God always over-delivers. <laughs> in the world, they talk about in business, you should under-promise and over-deliver. I'm not talking about God ever under-promising. God never under-promises. God promises what he said, what he means, and he means what he promises. So he never under-promises, but he always over-delivers. Which means if God says, I'm going to bring you out, he doesn't just bring you out. In the 15th chapter of Genesis, when God is uh, dealing with Abraham, at that time Abram, talking about how he's going to bring his people out of Egypt. God, Remember God uh, made a covenant with Abraham, Abram, and he, put him, he went to sleep. And when he went to sleep, he saw this vision, this horrible uh, vision. I should, I, horrible, don't think of horrible mean, meaning bad, but it was a... Uh, a great and an alarming vision, okay? And in that vision, he saw what God, what the interpretation of it was that his people, his descendants were going to go into slavery, into bondage for 400 years. Hallelujah. But when they come out, God says, I'm not going to bring them out empty-handed. So whenever God delivers, he always over-delivers. He doesn't just bring you out. So if I tell you this year you're going to come out of debt, you're not going to come out of debt and end up at zero. You're not going to come out of lack and have just enough in the bank. You're not going to come out of addiction and, well, now I'm just got to start over. No, God's going to bring you out. Thank you, Lord. 
I mean, when God delivered Saul out of his foolishness, he didn't just, just make him just a, okay, a pew sitter. He made him a, an apostle. God's going to over-deliver. He's going to, thank you, Lord. If you've been battling with some kind of sickness or some kind of disease, he's not just going to bring you back to zero, but you're going to be fresher and stronger than you've ever been. Because God always over-delivers. Somebody give me a big amen tonight. The Bible says in Psalm number 18 and verse 19, the Bible says that he also brought me out into a broad place. So he didn't bring me out, but he brought me out into a broad place. It says he delivered me because what? He delighted. he delighted in me. So we talked about that a few weeks ago, how God delivers because he delights in us. God smiles on you. Tell you that, but God smiled on you. He's got his smile. You're, you're the apple of his eye. He's smiling on you. But notice that when he delivers you, he brings you out into a broad place. So he's going to bring you out into greater territory. He's going to bring you out into a greater capacity. He's going to bring you out into greater responsibility. You're not coming out into nothing. You're coming out into something great, something wonderful, something big that God has for you. God has big plans for your life. Hallelujah. And he's going to bring you out into a broad place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So this is a year of deliverance. Amen? But again, Isaiah 117 says, and there shall be holiness. Everybody say holiness. Now, holiness, I gave you this word before, and it's not, um, it's not a curse word, Holiness. Some churches it might be a curse word. But it's the Hebrew word kodesh, kodesh, which means apartness, holiness of God, of places, of things. That's big. Holiness of God, of places, of things. So there's holy places, there's holy things. Don't forget that because I'm going to hit on that. Sacredness, separateness, set-apartness. So we know we're supposed to be set apart. Hmm? We know God has set us apart, consecrated him, us for himself. We know separateness. We know sacredness versus the secular. Apartness. We understand that. But we need to talk a little more about holiness of God, of places, of things. So it says on Mount Zion. Now remember I told you now, I just want to refresh you in, in case you weren't here or in case you've already let it slip your mind, that Obadiah is not my favorite book of the Bible. And when God took me here last year, he told me this is the word I'm to minister for this year. So which means that God is saying this is a time, a Cairo's time, where he's going to manifest and fulfill this word in our time. So we're going, we expect to see a revival of deliverance, a revival of holiness, and a revival of possession or repossession. Okay? So what God is doing is right now in the midst of all the the, the sin-cursed world we live in. I mean, you look around and you see America and its, it's condition, and it just, it just oh boy, just, wow. Wow, how much evil can we have in one nation? 
Yet in the midst of that, he says, but on Mount Zion, there shall be holiness. You don't have to look past the body of Christ and start going, oh boy, how much, how much evil can there be in the body of Christ? And yet the Bible says, but on Mount Zion, there shall be holiness. So my point to you is God doesn't want us to have our eyes focused on the, on the entanglement or the bondage, but on the deliverance. Don't have your eyes focused on the evil, but have your eyes focused on the holiness. Because there shall be holiness. So God has raised up a generation of people who are going to boldly walk contrary to the world. I don't know if that's anybody here besides me. We're going to walk contrary to the world. We will not be conformed to this world. We're going to walk contrary to the ways of this world. Hallelujah. Now, I share with you this on this last week, that uh, righteousness and holiness, right? That it's two different things. Now, the church has, you know, kind of uh, melded those two together, but they're two different things, righteousness and holiness. Righteousness, all right, we know is right standing, right? Holiness is what? Righteousness is right standing. Holiness is right living. Righteousness is God's gift to us, right? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, that, that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made or might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So God made us righteous. That's a gift to us. But then holiness must be our gift to God. Right? So right standing, God did for me. But right living, I do for God. Y'all got it. Okay? Now, I want, to, want you to see something here. In Romans 5.17, this is a, a absolutely a revolutionary scripture because it absolutely changed my life. It changed my life. Romans 5.17. And the Bible talks about, for if by one man's offense, that's de- uh, Adam, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will do what? Reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ, all right? So we see that there's something that goes together. The Bible listed here, an abundance of grace, and then it says, and a gift of righteousness, okay? Now, so the gift of righteousness, which is our right standing, plus we see grace. Now, what is grace? It's God's ability gift. So we see God's right standing that he gave to us coupled with God's ability that he gives to us. It says we will then reign in life. We will live right. You see it already. So right living comes from right standing plus God's ability. Okay? In other words, you cannot be holy without being righteous. Okay? And then, then it, is, it, is, it is impossible to be holy without God's ability. You see? That's why if you look at uh, the book of John, chapter 1, when the Bible says that grace and truth came through Jesus, the reason is, is because we could not keep the law. The law had no grace. 
Remember I told you this last week. Y'all forget that? The law had no grace. In other words, we had, there was nothing in it that gave us the ability to keep it. The law was just here. And the problem was, was I could look at it, but I couldn't do it. The only person who ever walked this planet who ever did the law to a T was Jesus. He fulfilled the law. But in fulfilling the law, what he brought to us now was grace. Because he fulfilled the law, he did it. Now his grace, his ability to do it came on us. Man, I don't know if this is making sense to you. You know, the, y'all, y'all, are y'all catching this? Um, there's a guy, his name, I hope I'm quoting his name right. Uh, Roger Banneker, Bannister, Banneker. What was it? Banneker? Something like that. He's the one, the first man to ever run a four-minute mile. Any, any runners in here? Used to be. Okay. Gigi, you run? Can you run a four-minute mile? No. Okay, not yet. Okay. All right, now, before Roger Banneker, Roger B., I'm going to call him Roger B. What is it, Bannister? Bannister. Before Roger Bannister ran a four-minute mile, nobody did it. Nobody had ever run a mile in four minutes. You know, if you were to go to a, a high school track, any track, it's four times around the track. That's a mile, right? So nobody had ever done that. Any of y'all used to run that in track and field? Track, whatever. Okay. Nobody had ever done you, Okay. Nobody ever done that in four minutes. And what happened was because nobody, nobody ever done it, nobody conceived the ability that, that, that it was possible to even do it. But once Roger Bannister did it, now athletes are running under four minutes all the time. Because he broke that four-minute barrier. Now people, well, I, we can do that too, and they, they, they aspire for that, and they do it. Nobody before Jesus Christ had ever kept the law. But now that he did it, he then took his ability, oh man, and put his ability on us, now we can keep it. So now we can't say, well, you know, I'm just a man. And we all sin. No, 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 no. The Bible doesn't say we all sin. The Bible says we have all sinned. We have all sinned and come short of the glory. See? But now we have received an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness and therefore we now reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. What does it mean then to reign in life? All right? This word reign comes from the the Greek word Basiluo, Basiluo. Bas, you know, when we get the word Basilius, all right, or Basilica. Those of y'all who read, what was that? The Grapes of Wrath, was that? Was that? Yeah. <laughs> y'all remember, remember Grapes of Wrath? In high school, we had to read Grapes of Wrath. Praise the Lord. All right. So, 
This word reign, look at what it means. It means to be king. Y'all, boy. To be king, that's why you read Amplified Classic. It says reign as kings in life. It means to be king, to exercise kingly power, metaphorically to exercise the highest influence to control. I don't know if y'all get it yet. If you have received an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, you now are king. Oh, my. Come on, kings. Isn't Jesus Christ the king of? Doesn't the Bible say he's made us a nation of kings and priests unto our God? And we shall reign on the earth? So to be king, it means to exercise kingly power. That's why we can decree things and they be established. That's kingly power. Then it also, look at this, metaphorically, look at what it means. To exercise the highest influence. To control. To control. So if you receive the abundance of grace to give the righteousness, you and I have the highest influence. And we control things. We reign in life. We reign in life. Now, I want to remember, we're, we're dealing with holiness. Did y'all forget that? Abundance of grace, gift of righteousness, we're talking about holiness, right? So look, look at this word reign, and I want you to see this in another verse, in another, another uh, passage of scripture, Romans 6, 12 through 14. Romans 6, 12 through 14. Because you and I, we reign. Right? We reign. Romans 6, 12 through 14. Look at what it says. Therefore, do not let sin balance you all. Do not let sin have this control. Do not let sin have this highest influence. Do not let sin exercise kingly power. Do not let sin be king over you in your mortal body. Okay? Well, now he said, do not let it. That means it's up to you. Somebody shout holiness. Come on. See, see, because I got to say this because there's so many Christians uh, today, even, even pastors who, who don't advocate holiness. They, they advocate, you know, just, well, you know, you do the best you can. You know, we all, we all come short. We all come short. No, he was talking past tense in Romans 6. He's talking past tense. He's talking past tense. Stop coming short. You don't have to. You're the king now. See, before you got born, sin was king. Before you got born again, sin had the highest influence. Before you got born again, sin was in control, right? That's why we couldn't help ourselves. But now, he says, do not, therefore, do not let sin reign, have the highest influence, the control in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. So stop obeying sin. Stop obeying sin. Somebody say holiness. holiness. Glory to God. Verse 13, verse 13, I better move on. Verse 13. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness 
to sin. So stop putting your eyes on the stuff you shouldn't put your eyes on. Stop letting your thumb scroll on stuff you shouldn't scroll on. That's a member. Your thumb is a member. Your eyes is members. Your ears are members. Stop listening to stuff you shouldn't listen to. Come on, just look straight ahead. Just, just, just don't, you don't give yourself to that. Don't present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So give your, give your ears, give your eyes, give your thumbs, give your mouth, give it to the things of God. And when your ears, your eyes, your mouth, your, 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 your whatever wants to do stuff, you tell it no. You're the king. Hallelujah. You got to tell it, that's not me, I'm dead to that. Right? No, I'm king now. And I'm king under the king. So I don't just let my body tell me what to do. Well, I couldn't help myself. Well, who's king? Hallelujah. Verse 14, verse 14. Watch this, watch this, watch verse 14. For sin shall not, come on, have dominion over you, for you are not under law. So people will take the second half of that verse. I'm not under law, but I'm under grace. Not under law, but under grace. And they'll take it as an excuse of sin. But no, you got to have the whole verse together. So don't let sin have dominion over you. Don't let sin run your life, ladies and gentlemen. Because what sin does is sin will keep you out of the things of God. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen. All right. Tell your neighbor, we can be holy. Tell them we can live without sin. Tell them we can, be, we can live right. Oh, yes, we can. Oh, yes, we can. I can be holy. I can live right. I can live without sin. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, the thing about it is holiness has to be taught. Holiness has to be taught. Because when you and I first get born again, we don't know holiness. We have to be taught holiness. Give me Ezekiel 44, 23. Ezekiel 44, 23. And God gives me the job of teaching it. And parents in your home to teach it. You got to teach holiness. This is about the priests. When you read Ezekiel 44, you'll read all about the priests and their duties. He says, and they shall teach my people. The difference between the holy, come on, and the unholy and cause them to discern between the unclean. So there is a difference between the holy and the unholy. There is a difference. 
And you and I must be able to discern and differentiate between clean and unclean, holy and unholy. The problem is now, Sister Carol, is you have preachers now who are blurring the lines themselves. Because the Bible said that in the last days, evil men and imposters would wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. New King James, I think it says evil men and seducers, something like that. No, that's King James. We'll, we'll get worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So you have now where preachers are advocating for sin. Y'all are quiet in this Baptist church tonight. I just heard Deacon Mac just shocked me the other day. He told me about a, uh, he said there's a pastor in town, local pastor, big church in town, who, who has announced to his church that it's okay for a man to marry a man and a woman to marry a woman. I said, I said not church. I know. He said, yeah, you know the church. No, you know the church. I said, no, no Deacon, come on. I said, come on, not, no. Now, what's happening? When that kind of thing is, is preached, people grab a hold of that. When you now, see, if, when, the moment you teeter into social justice, you now have to dumb down the gospel. You have to dumb down the gospel to teeter into social justice. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me out. See, you have, you have to do that. See? So, so, now, so now people, people in church are going around and they, everything's okay. Put up, put up uh, Isaiah 520. Isaiah 520. Isaiah 520. Glory to God. Glory to God. Whoa! Woe to those... Who call, come on, evil good and good evil. So there are people today who are calling evil things good and calling good things evil. And who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Now go back, go back. I want to just look at that. They, who call evil good and good evil. Now how many of y'all know what evil is? All right, how many of y'all know what good is? They're not the same. They're opposites. But yet, through deception, people are calling things evil that the Bible calls good and calling things good that the Bible calls evil. So we can deal with all kind of sin and all kind of iniquity, but people have to, well, you know, you know, it's all right. It's all right. You know, I, I, we're, we got to evolve. Told you last week about, about the one grand pastor in Atlanta who's calling saying we need new theology. We need new theology. We need a, we, no, he said, he said we need, need a, do, a new gospel. A new gospel, Reverend? What, what, well, what you going to do with this old gospel, the one that got you saved? Or did it ever get you saved? I don't, you know, because there's something wrong here. I mean, Paul said anybody that comes talking about a new gospel, call him accursed. You see, so we don't need a new gospel. We, this is this the same one that been working for two thousand years. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says, "Who put darkness for light and light for darkness?" This last part, "Who put bitter 
for sweet and sweet for bitter. So what the devil has done, ladies and gentlemen, is, is he has tricked the church. He's tricked Christians into sin and curse management and not sin and curse victory. See? So people now learn this how to manage, you know, why sin, you know, I manage my sin now. I just, no, I just, I just don't do it out in the open. <laughs> I'm just telling you, just telling you, manage the sin. Manage the lifestyle. And manage the curse that goes with it. See? Because there's curse that comes with sin. And so people now manage the curse. People manage the curse conditions that God, Jesus Christ, already came to get rid of. You know poverty is under the curse. You know sickness and disease is under the curse. So now they have, you know, cancer support groups in church. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. A cancer support group in church. Well, that, you think, can you imagine blind Bartimaeus coming to Jesus? Help me, son of David, have mercy. Well, son, go get in our blindness support group we have. And we'll teach you how to manage. We'll get you a good stick. And we'll teach you how to. We'll learn, we'll learn Braille and we'll learn this. No. No. No, he got rid of the curse. He overturned curse conditions. He took the curse for us. See, the church is being deceived by the, by the devil into mastering or managing curse conditions and God said, I don't want that in your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want victory over sin. I want victory over the curse. Hallelujah. I'm not trying to manage my issues. Well, you know we all have issues. No, 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 no. I'm not trying to manage my issues. Lord, get this issue out of me, Lord. Search me. Try me. Know me. See if there be any wicked thing in me, Lord. And if you find anything that's not like you, Lord, take it out of me. I want to be well pleasing to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So I don't, I don't want to manage sin. I don't want to manage cursed conditions. Now, this is why I want, I want to kind of hit you in here because, because we can kind of manage cursed conditions. See? See, lack and poverty are cursed conditions. Sickness and disease are cursed conditions. Depression is cursed condition. Confusion is cursed condition. Confusion is cursed. I'm, 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 you can, everything I just said, you can go through Deuteronomy 28, verse 15 through 64, and you'll find everything I just talked about. They're cursed conditions. Mildew is a cursed condition. You shouldn't be trying to manage no mildew. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Are you all right tonight? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7, 2 Corinthians 7. Hallelujah. I got a few more minutes here. 2 Corinthians 7. 
feel like I better take my time. Second Corinthians 7. Somebody say holiness. Holiness. See, we don't need to be doing no sin management and curse management. There's something we're going to see, a phrase we're going to see here that we need to be working on. Look at verse 1. Are you there? It says, therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves, come on, from all filthiness, come on, of the what? Flesh and So there can be filthiness in the flesh and spirit. And he says, cleanse yourself. Bathe. I was going to say, you beat me too. I was going to say, bathe. Wash yourself. Amen. He says, cleanse yourself. He says, here's what you're doing. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So holiness can be perfected. We can get it right. Hallelujah. All right, now, the Lord, the Lord just, I mean, just unloaded on us last week, this weekend. It just it caused me to see everything so much, so much differently. Because he says, perfecting holiness. So I began to see last week as Pastor Elizabeth was teaching holiness more than uh, just, just no sin. Because if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Here's a definition I heard many years ago, and it came back to me this weekend. Holiness means oneness with God. That's, that's what holiness means. That's a, that's a definition you can use. Oneness with God. Oneness. In fact, Pastor Elizabeth quoted a scripture this week. Uh, we can, uh, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Oneness. Remember I talked last week about uh, when you're walking holy, you, you, you see eye to eye with God. You talk mouth to mouth, face to face with God on God's level, on God's level. So holiness is, is God's level. So he says perfecting holiness. And he says the impetus for doing this, Lamika, is having these promises. Okay, y'all there? He said, the reason why you do this is because you have some promises. So we got to ask ourselves, what promises are you talking about? Well, let's go back to 2 Corinthians 6, because it says, having therefore these promises. So we got to go back and see what the promises are that you have. Look at chapter 6 and verse 16 through 18. Chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. It says, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Here's, here comes the promises. As God has said, I will dwell in them. Promise. And walk among them. Promise. I will be their God. Promise. And they shall be my people. Promise. Promise. 
Got it? Let's keep going. Therefore, come up from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is what? And here's a promise. I will. Verse 18. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So we see promises. Oneness with God. I'm going going to be with you. You're going to be with me. I'm going to be yours. You're going to be mine. He says, you're going to be my sons and my daughters. And it says, having therefore these promises, we got to cleanse ourselves, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. The promise of sonship. The promise of fellowship. The promise of oneness with God. Okay? Now, I'm going I'm to go back and read something here. In a, but I want to remind you, That, remember Paul's writing, we learned this last weekend, all of his letters, based on on what we saw last week, from Acts 26, right, verse 18, is based on our new creation and our new creation inheritance. So everything Paul is teaching is on that foundation. Our new creation, right, the new birth, we're born again, and then the inheritance that comes with that. Got it? Y'all awake? So you see this from this light. So we have these promises about fellowship, about sonship, about oneness, and he says you perfect holiness. Okay? So this oneness, this fellowship, this sonship is about us manifesting uh, uh, rather, our holiness is about us manifesting that sonship, that fellowship, that oneness with God. Are y'all getting this here? Okay, now let me help you. Let me help, help, you, help your mind out a little bit. Let's go back a little bit, please, to um, 2 Corinthians 6. I'm going to go to verse 11 through 13 where, where this really sort of starts, if you allow that. And I want to read it in the Message Bible, okay? It's going to be kind of long, but I want you to to read on the screen with me, and you're going to see this here, all right? Look at what it says. Dear, dear Corinthians. Y'all got it? Now, unless you got it in your Bible, I need you to look at the screen so you can see it. You got to put your eyes on this. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open spacious life. Remember, we're getting the gist of why Paul's writing this. Why he's telling you to perfect holiness. He says, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this what? Wide open, come on. Wide open spacious life. He says, we didn't fence you in. He's, oh my. The smallness you feel comes from within you. That smallness is because there's a tourniquet on you, on your soul, and really on your heart. 
The reason why you're in a tight situation, the reason why things aren't moving smoother, the reason why you aren't, you aren't living in this wide open spacious life is because a small is on the inside of you. My goodness. He says the smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. What he's telling you is you are more than how you're living. Remember, we're getting to perfecting holiness. He said you're bigger than who you are right now. Because the moment you got born again, you, you became a new creation, and you were automatically given a new creation inheritance. So you have more in your account than you're living on. You have more at your disposal than you're living on. You have more in you. He is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He says you are much bigger than you're living right now. Oh, my. Your lives aren't small. You ain't small. But you're living them in a small way. You're living on less than what belongs to you. I mean, when, when Dr. Elizabeth was talking to us, giving us those medical stats about how quickly our bodies regenerate everything, the blood, the bones, um, the organs, the, 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 the digestive, all these things. I, I mean, I'm sitting there thinking, I knew it. I knew it. There's no way in the world that God will make a lizard or a snake that its tail gets cut off and it grows back and God will make his masterpiece creation and stuff don't grow back. You can't tell me that God put more value and more, more complexity into a lizard than he put into you and me. And here we are in the body of Christ, allowing ourselves to just go along with life in this little small thing. And Paul said, it ain't because you're small, it's because you're living it small. You're living on less health. And see, because we grew up, and I used to hear people say, testify, well, I'm just giving all honor to God. I just want to thank God, got a reasonable portion of health and strength. Testify, I got a reasonable portion. What's a reasonable portion? Well, I'm not as healthy as I could be, but you know, at least, at least I ain't blind. You know what? Reasonable portion of health and strength. No, no. Divine life. Divine health. Come on, somebody say something to me. See, we have an unlimited life. I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Full life in every way, the God kind of life in every way, the God, isn't that what Zoe is, the God kind of life? I remember uh, my wife and I, we moved into the house we're in now uh, 10 years ago, I guess a couple months from now, 10 years ago. And, you know, it was a stretch. It was, I mean, a major stretch financially, major stretch. We, we couldn't afford it going in. And, but we would know God was taking us there. So it's really a trust move. Some of y'all, you're not going to get anything until you actually trust God and actually move and do what he tell you to do. That's just a side note. You're not going to actually get anything manifest until you actually show God you trust him. Trust means you put your faith in action. 
So anyway, so we moved in. And so after we had been there now uh, 18 months, maybe 36 months, whatever it was, we had, you know, a lease for 18 months, whatever. And, you know, coming up on time to renew the lease. And I, and I, I went to God. I said, all right, God, we did it. We did it. We did it. All right, we did it. Faith work. We've done it now. Now we can move and go back down to something. Let's go down to something manageable. Yeah, we've done it. We've been on this roller coaster. This has been an exciting ride. This has been an exciting ride, Lord. We appreciate it. You've been faithful every month, but Lord, I, I want to now, you know, turn my faith dial back down a little bit, not so much. See, when you, no, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. See, when, you, when you're walking by faith, you got to really, you got to work it every month, every day. The just we live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. And so I was like, Lord, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm cool now. We've done it. Let's take it down. Back down to something that, you know, really what I was saying was something I don't need faith for. I'm just telling you. I'm just being honest with you. Y'all think, pass a faith giant. <laughs> no, I'm growing. But I'm, I'm telling you, I was, I was in that place. And what God said to me, was wild. He said, Jonathan, he said, if I were there, how would I be living? He said, if I were there, in other words, if I were living on earth, he said, how would I be living? And I started to imagine, well, God, how, how, if you were here, you wouldn't even be living like this. God would have, he'd have been like, Ugh. <laughs> and I thought we were living nice, and God said, no, I'd have been like, yeah. <laughs> See, I don't know if y'all get what I'm saying. See, when we say oneness with God, I will be, be a father to you, you'll be my sons and my daughters, well, how are we going to live? Y'all remember the theme, what I'm preaching on tonight? Holiness is what? Ask your are you living right? Now, I'm not talking about your sin now. I moved past your sin. Boy, 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 I don't know. This, this might be for a Saturday morning group. <laughs> See, I, I believe we've already dealt with the sin issue, haven't we? But we're perfecting holiness. So if holiness is a oneness with God, if holiness is a fellowship and a sonship with God, then I should be living like God. Be holy for I am holy. Be just like me. So if God were here, if God were driving, if God were wearing, if God were eating, if God were shopping, how would he be doing it? Now, I don't want to even want to hear none of y'all false humility. Don't come at me with your little church false. Well, you know, that's not, that's materialistic. God's not all into that. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Did you ever see the temple that he had built? Wait, okay. No, wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me, let me go on, let me go on, bust your little religious bubble. Your religious bubble. We know how he laid the temple out. The temple was permanent. 
the tabernacle was temporary. Did you read how he laid out the tabernacle? In other words, in other words, in other words, the tabernacle was like a rental. Do you see how he laid out the rental? See, if you think God isn't into, isn't into stuff, if you think God isn't into that, then you do not know your Bible. You camping out on your favorite little scripture to make yourself feel good, but no, 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 no. If we're going to be holy, we're going to be holy. If we're going to live right, we're going to live right. If we're going to live like God, we're going to live like God in every way. So I got to ask myself, am I living right? All this brokenness, that ain't, that ain't right. See, and all, you look at y'all, y'all all smug. <laughs> well, I'm not sinning like those pastors. <laughs> I'm not in sin like those Christians I see on TikTok. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you're eating Pop-Tarts for dinner. See, we got a problem. See, we got a problem. We got a problem. We got a problem. We got a problem. Oh, we got a problem. See, because we're, we're leaving the inheritance behind. See, holiness is oneness with God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let's, let's go back to what he said here. He said, we didn't fence you in. He said, the smallness you feel comes from within you. He says, your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can with great affection. Open up your lives, live openly and expansively. He's saying it's time for you to live big. Who's who going to grab a hold of that tonight? Just live openly and expansively. God wants to expand your living. He wants to expand your lifestyle. He wants to expand your territory. On the left and on the right, he wants, to, he wants you in bigger space, man. But what's holding us back? He said, smallness within. Because the, the problem is, is we really have a, a small picture of God. We have, a, we have a very limited picture of God and what God can do or what God wants. And so we don't ever want to bother God with too much. We don't want to really expect too much because that would be too much. I pray God delivers you from smallness. Amen. 
Oh, man. All right, I'm out of time. Let me, let me go over here real quick. Go to Psalm 105. Listen to this. How, how we live reflects how much we've perfected holiness. How we live reflects how much we've perfected holiness. That oneness with God. Because I want you to remember this now. Remember that in, I, when, when Pastor Elizabeth was teaching this over the weekend, I, uh, Obadiah 117 kept leaping up in my spirit. Because what I saw was a progression all of a sudden. I didn't see that before until till she preached this. I saw when it said there shall be deliverance, there shall be holiness, they shall possess their possessions. I saw it as three separate things rather than, wait a minute, this is a progression. Because once you're delivered, now you come into a holiness and now you begin to possess your possessions. Delivered out of darkness, delivered out of the bondage, delivered out of the strongholds. Now you come into a oneness with God even in your mind. A oneness I begin to see and think the way God wants me to see and think. Now I can begin to possess what God wants me to possess. Are y'all seeing this here? Psalm 105:37. He also brought them out with what? Silver and gold. Somebody say that's God's money. And there was none feeble among his tribes. So notice their deliverance came with wealth and health. Come on, church. Their deliverance came with So you can't be delivered and still broke. Delivered and still full of infirmity. But he's bringing you out this year. I said he's bringing you out this year. He's bringing you out this year. This is the year of restoration. He's bringing you out this year. Hallelujah. And you're going to have silver and gold and you will not be feeble anymore. Now, one last place. One last place. I want to be holy. Remember we talked about that word holiness? Of God, of places, of things. So you might have to start looking around at your things and say, that ain't holy. My wife and I, we were in our old house. And one day, one morning, we were praying and uh, praying in, in Scripture and talking to the Lord and so forth together. And uh, we hit the Scripture where the Bible says, um, the righteous eat to the satisfying of the soul. And it just, like, a, like a, a ton of bricks went off in our spirits, hit us our spirits. Hey, get rid of everything right now that doesn't satisfy your soul. We got up. And begin to go through our house immediately. Every article of clothing that didn't satisfy our souls, we got rid of it. Furniture, things in the house that were broken. You know, we still we have stuff that's just broken. Y'all ain't saying gummers. Come on, 
It's not, not even repairable. You got to lean it. You got you to brick up under it trying to hold it up. You know why you hold on to that? Because you don't think God can replace it. And as long as you hold on to it, he's not going to replace it. Said as long as you hold on to it, he's not going to replace it. He removes the first that he may establish the second. You got you to let that old thing go so he can give you the new thing. Why don't you work your faith for once or, once or twice? Hallelujah. And we immediately begin to go through and get rid of all the clothes. You know, you know the clothes you have. They, 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 they got holes in them. The seams all ripped. But you try to hide it, you know. Don't just wear a jacket or don't, don't lift your arms up when you praise the Lord. Get rid of that stuff, man. I know I'm preaching a lot gooder than y'all letting on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to be holy. I want to, I want to live right. I want to live right. I want to live right. A lot of God's people aren't living right. Living small. That ain't right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You don't have to buy the cheapest thing they sell. Did I tell y'all where to go? Psalm 78. He also brought them out with silver and gold and unfeeble among his tribes. Psalm 78. Let me finish here. Look at this verse. Psalm 78, verse 54. I mean, when are you going to give God a chance to show you how good he is? Great blessings belong to those who depend on When are you going to give God a chance to just show you? To let, to, let, to let him bring you up to his level. You know the Bible says in Isaiah 55, I think it's verse 2, somewhere around there, let your soul delight itself in abundance. It means it's there. You just got to let it in. You just got to let abundance in. You don't have to go get it. You just got to let abundance in. You just got to say, God, I'll take that. I'll receive that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You spend it, God going to replace it. How many of God just told us that this week? You pick a pair of new ones going to show up. He's going to fill the account right back up. A few years back, my wife and I, we, were going, going to, we needed to add a vehicle. This is 2020, before the pandemic, early in the year. We were going to buy a car. We're not going to finance no car. You know, we don't do that. We out of debt, stay out of debt. And uh, we said, all right, well, we got this much money, and uh, God's blessed us, so we're going, to, we're going to go buy a car. And so we searched and searched, and, and uh, the Lord put a car in our heart, the infinity we have now. And uh, we, neither one of us was looking for that. It didn't, it didn't move us, but all of a sudden, our, both of our hearts just fell on 
this, this is the car. This is, this is the right vehicle for us. And, and uh, well, we, it took pretty much everything we had to buy it. <laughs> pretty much every, I mean, everything we had to buy it. Well, you can be scared. But, see, if you're scared, you don't give God a chance to show you how good he is. See, he told us, take no thought for our lives, what we're going to eat or what we're going to drink, how we're going to be clothed. So it didn't matter, Deke, if we spent all the money on the car. Well, how are we going to eat? He told us, don't think about that. Some of y'all trying to save money to eat. He said, no, don't think about that. When he challenges you to go do something, go do it. He tell you to sow a seed. He tell you to go buy something. He, just do it. Just do that. Because what's God going to do? He's going to put another pair back on the tree. That's just what he did for us. Just fill the account right back up. Just right back up. Every time. Hallelujah. Are you in Psalm 78? Did the same thing a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Need another card. Just, just went and bought it. It took a whole lot. But God, guess what? God, I feel right back up. We got, that's not for us to worry about. That's not our job. What happened was, I'm going to tell you, we were driving this car. <laughs> driving this one car. I'm not going to name which car we're driving. But we're not driving them. Driving one car and Deke, it just it just got you know we we making it work, we making it work, yeah. but it wasn't working. It wasn't working. One day my wife and I driving the car, all of a sudden the car just starts shaking. <laughs> everything on the dash just start the light, everything on the dashboard, everything. I'm like, that's it. We made it home and never drove it again. I parked it. I said, I ain't, we just said, we're not driving this no more. We're just, just not driving anymore. That's it. Now, we could have gone and put more money to get it fixed. I said, no, you know what? I'm not going to drive it anymore. You, you, that ain't holy. That ain't living right. Praise the Lord. Psalm 7854. Are you there? All right, let's wrap this up. Can you read it with me, please? Ready? Read. And he brought them to his this mountain, which is right hand. He brought them to his holy border. Now, why would he say holy border? He brought them, this is the children of Israel, he delivered them. Then it says he brought them to his holy border, the border of holiness. Wait a minute, the border of holiness, his holy border. Now let's look at Amplified Classic and let's see how the Amplified Classic from the Hebrew spells out the border of holiness. What's the border of holiness? Verse 54, Amplified Classic. And he brought them to his holy border, the border of Canaan, his sanctuary. Even to this mountain which his right hand had acquired. Okay, so he says, he brought them to his holy border or the border of holiness was the border of Canaan. Now, do y'all remember Canaan? Yes. 
Canaan was the promised land. Y'all, y'all, you missing this? He brought them to the border of holiness. Now, they had been in Egypt in slavery. We call Egypt the land of not enough. But he delivered them. He brought them out with silver and gold so they had money. And no people wanted among them so they had their health. But they weren't in, in holiness yet. Because now they're in the wilderness and it's just enough. So many of God's people get excited because I'm out of Egypt. Praise God. Now I got a little change in my pocket. You know, now I got my own place to stay. But you're still in the wilderness. And God is saying, yeah, but that ain't holy yet. Well, I'm going to close this up. <laughs> I'm trying to get you to the holy board. I'm, I'm trying to get you to the holy place. He brought them to his holy border or the border of holiness, the border of Canaan. So Canaan is holiness. And if you know anything about Canaan, Canaan was a land of not, not enough, not just enough, but more than enough. The land of milk and honey. The land where they had bread without scarcity. The land where they had houses that they did not build. And vineyards that they did not plant. And pools of water that they did not dig. It was a land that where they had all that they needed. He said, that is holiness. You are not holy. You have not perfected holiness until you've arrived in your Canaan. Y'all better stand up. I'm, I'm done. You have not perfected holiness until you've arrived in Canaan. He brought them to his holy border, the border of Canaan, his sanctuary, even to this mountain Zion, which he, his right hand had acquired. So notice, where is Mount Zion? In Canaan. He said, no, it's at Canaan. Y'all see this? Mount Zion, the church, is supposed to be at Canaan. Now, I know I'm not some New York fancy preacher, but y'all can at least act like I'm saying the Bible. Uh, at, le at least pretend like you're interested in what I'm saying to you. That, that, that God is trying to get his people to the, into, the, into the place of oneness with him. He said in Canaan, he said, you don't water Canaan by foot. He said in Canaan, I water with, from, the, from the rain of heaven. You ain't got to work it. In Canaan, you into a place of rest. That's holiness. So we've not perfected holiness until we've entered into our Canaan. So don't be uppity because you ain't fornicating no more. You ain't made it yet. You, you good, but you ain't arrived yet. Don't be uppity because you ain't getting high every weekend no more. That, that, you, you doing good, but you have not arrived. Perfecting holiness. 
No, perfecting holiness. We walk right, we talk right, we do right, we live right. And living right means we living like God. Living on God's level. All right, now I know I'm I'm going to back up and end this because I know I'm preaching way out beyond where most of us can even swallow right now. But the reason is, is because there's tourniquets in your soul. Smallness on the inside that doesn't want to allow the the life of God to get through. When we say the life of God, when we say I can't, Jesus said, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That word life, he's talking about the Zoe life. We've heard the phrase the Zoe life. Well, what is the Zoe life? It is the God kind of life. It is a life of God. It's the life God will live. If It's God saying, if I were living there, how would I be living? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. So God needs us. He's ready for us to live on his level. Now, this might only be for 10% of y'all, but I'm part of it. I'm part of that 10%. Part of that 10%. Because in the end, it's going to all be turned back over to Christ. And over to the Father. The Bible says in Colossians 1, I think it's 13, so somewhere around there, that God has already qualified us, maybe verse 12, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. It's our inheritance. So take of it now. Take it, take it right now. You can live it right now. Hallelujah. All right, Lord, I did it. Say what you put in my heart. God, this is a divine challenge for your people to come to a place of acceptance, a place of receiving. Like we learned last week, it's not up to us to work, it's up to us to rest. That when we rest, you work. And God, the work that you're working in our lives is to bring us into a place of divine existence. Oh my God. Lord, you said in your word that by your, by your divine promises, you've given us, you've given us exceeding great and precious promises that by these we might be partakers of your divine nature. Thank you for the promises so we can partake of your nature. Be like, live like you. (laughs) That's what you sent Jesus Christ here for, for, Lord, to give us the ability to live like you. God, we reject false humility. We reject the fraud from the enemy, the cheating of the enemy, 
to cheat us out of the God kind of life. The God that inheritance is reserved in heaven for us where we are seated in heavenly places. And so we step into that. Father, I bind every religious spirit that would try to stifle the expanse life, the expansive life of your people. And God, I take away, curse the smallness of thinking, smallness of minds that doesn't believe that you can do this. God, you can do this. You can do this. You want to do this. And I know you will do this. That if we believe all things are possible, those who believe. So we step into it. God, we ask you, Lord, to, that as we go through our homes and our, our lives, that we identify everything in our lives is not right. Sin, iniquity, jealousy, envy, strife, wrath, seditions, heresy, ambition that's not proper. But we also identify everything about our lives in the physical, the financial, that's not right. God, as we trust you, we begin to eliminate those things and make room for what is right. And I thank you, Father, that your will should be done in our lives. And we will be shining examples of your goodness in the earth to make not only the Jews jealous, but the, but the world jealous. That will draw them to you. That's what your word said is going to happen. It's going to draw them to you when they see the goodness and prosperity that you give to us. We receive it. We let our souls delight itself in abundance, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give God a praise tonight. Praise God. Listen, all right, we're out of here tonight. We're out of here. Uh, I challenge you, start going through your life. Anything that's not right, begin to eliminate it. Just, just eliminate it. God, thank you. I was about to say that. That's what the prophet told King Amaziah. When the King Amaziah was worried about how much he had spent on something that wasn't from God. And the prophet came along and said, thus said the Lord. God is able to give you much more than that. So he said, get rid of the stuff that doesn't belong. He said, because God is able to give you much more than that. And that's over in 1st or 2nd Chronicles 25. He says that. Hallelujah. All right, we're, getting, we're leaving. We're leaving. Come on. Pray you out. Don't forget, project on Saturday. Lift, if you desire to be a part of that, see Sister Laquanda, she'll take care of that. Sign up for evangelism and healing training coming up. It's going to be a good time. Ground school starting for all of our